Welcome to another episode of the Rock Fit Files. I'm Rocky Snyder. This week I thought instead of interviewing someone that I would just kind of replay a little bit of a presentation I gave through meetup.com. And it was all about how to self-assess movement in your body. This was a little Zoom session that I did with a number of people. And I think you'll gain a little bit of knowledge and insight as to how you move, provided you go through the assessments. Hope you enjoy it. Well, welcome. My name is Rocky Snyder. If you're new to this meetup, thank you for joining us, the Movement-Based Education Meetup. And we are located on the Central Coast of California here in Santa Cruz County in a little city called Capitola. I'm sitting in my training facility right now at the moment. And well, it's Friday evening. Everyone's gone for the, for the day, but they'll be back soon enough, first thing tomorrow, to get their bodies moving. And I imagine that's probably why you're here is to figure out how it is your body moves and can we assess how do I move and what ways do I not move, which ways should I move and hopefully some awareness around all of that because there are ways that we're not aware of how we move and for that matter, we're probably unaware of how we don't move. So we're going to try and kind of bring a little bit of, uh, I won't say revelation, but reveal some insight into how it is we move. So what I'm going to do is I've got a little PowerPoint that I've put together, a little, uh, shall we say, a little uh, keynote, and I'm going to share my screen right now. And there we have it. So as more people come up, hopefully I'll be able to hear that. I'm going to just press play on this. There we have it. All right. And I just want to make sure. There we go. That everyone can see the screen. So we are uh, Rocky's Rehab Fitness and Conditioning. At one point in time, I guess we were called Rocky's Fitness Center, but it didn't really encompass everything that we do here. But we work with a lot of people that have uh, encountered some sort of pain, whether it's chronic or acute. Excuse me as I do that. There we go. A few more people coming in. Uh, we deal with a lot of people that are in acute or chronic pain, but also people that just want to move more, get in shape, I guess. And, and then we've got athletes that are really trying to get to a higher level of competition. So quite a few varying degrees of people that come and uh, that, that visit us. Let's see if I can cross that off. There we are. All right. So tonight we're going to be assessing how your body moves. We're going to jump right into it because a big part of this is really understanding, uh, let me see if I can get that, there we go, your body and, and how it's meant to balance. And then how do we take that balancing act and move it through space? And we're gonna keep it rather simple, uh, very basic. I'm not going to dive too deeply into the, 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 all the bones and all the joints of the body, but we're just gonna keep it on a very basic understanding that we are meant to fight gravity on an ongoing basis on two feet. Pretty simple. 
Now there's really efficient ways that we're gonna do that and some that are not so efficient. And if I can find my cursor here, I'm gonna admit that person in there. Excuse me one moment while I struggle with trying to <laughs> manage my programs here. Exit, there we are. And then I could admit that person back in. Beautiful. I think maybe I'll just keep it this way because then I'll be able to admit more and more people. And all right, we're talking about alignment in terms of posture. And of course, there's a whole bunch of different approaches these days in terms of chiropractic care and osteopathy. And we've got yoga and for that matter, Tai Chi and Qigong and all these other Eastern philosophies blended together and a few Western. And they all have the basic fundamental philosophy that if we can bring the body into a more balanced state, things start to work better. Joint spacing, where the bones come together and almost meet another bone, that space in between is called a joint. And there should be this ideal amount of space in between bones. And when we have nice alignment, that space is near its optimal point. That allows the bones to move and the joints there to move freely, fairly unrestricted. And in order for those bones to stay in place in this balanced place, the muscles themselves have to be balanced. So we don't have one side drawing the body more than the other side. And we achieve this muscular balance, not only left to right, but forward to back, and for that matter, top to bottom. And we're trying to achieve a, a state of balance, at least hovering around that ideal. Now, none of us are going to be perfectly balanced, uh, partly because we, we're not perfectly symmetrical. Even our internal organs have different situations, like we've got one heart, and we've got a lung that's larger than the other lung, because the heart and the lung on the left side are trying to share some space there. So we've got a smaller lung on the left, a larger lung on the right. I think we've got only one spleen and one stomach. And there's a few other things that we only have one of and, and therefore we aren't perfectly symmetrical. And for that matter, how our bones grow over the years are, is not necessarily perfectly symmetrical either. And well, that's neither here nor there. The closer we can get toward a more balanced state and the more we can orbit around that central point, the better it's going to be, the less stress we're going to be. So the more we'll have kind of that zone of training that we're looking for. Now in our world, speaking of the laws of physics, we are made up of a lot of joints or lever systems and the muscles can act like pulleys, but we also do this in three-dimensional space. And in the world of movement, those three dimensions are broken into what we call planes of motion. So when I move forward and backward along this kind of motion or axis, if I were to go sideways and I were to just tilt my head forward and backwards, there's gonna be a central place that's somewhere right around my ear, that's a zero point of motion, the axis of rotation, or in physics terms, the the, the fulcrum or the, the point of rotation. And all bones, all joints actually have these axes of rotation. And we can move forward and backward along what's called the sagittal plane. Then we also have the second dimension of motion where we can mo move sideways or tilt sideways. And that is known as the frontal plane. And the third XYZ axis, the Z, I guess would, would be rotation. 
and we call that the transverse plane. So the axis of rotation is typically straight out the top or down the bottom, and we rotate along that vertical axis. So when we're in a balanced state with our body, we become more congruent with all of these axes in three-dimensional space. So over time, our body shifts and changes, sometimes like a cottage built on sand. We'll find that our foundation begins to shift. And that may be because of a whole number of issues, whether it's injuries we've sustained sometime over the course of our life, maybe surgeries we have had to undergo, motor vehicle accidents or any other accident for that matter can create a, a shift in our structure. Emotional disturbances because we cannot separate our emotional body from our physical body and for that matter, spiritual body, they're all connected. So if we have emotional or mental or spiritual disturbances that can greatly affect our physical form. And even from the get-go, birthing issues can bring about a whole bunch of imbalances and distortions. If we have had some type of injury or surgery, those scars that are left behind can also draw tissue in a certain direction, which draws our posture one way or in another and may restrict movement, which could lead to more distortions. So we have a whole cascade of, of reasons or, or potential issues that can bring us into positions that are not truly balanced. Not to mention taking that body into a facility like this, perhaps into a gym or a health club, and you're suddenly doing repetitive movements over time, or maybe at work, you're doing the same actual repetitive motions over time, whether you're a coffee barrister or office worker, or for that matter, a dentist, it doesn't matter. There's probably repetitive patterns that are established and those repetitive patterns become normalized over time and certain muscles will develop a little bit more because of those patterns. And there will be certain joint actions that are reinforced more because of those patterns. And the next thing you know, we're, we're finding ourselves uh, out of alignment. So the key here is to find a place that is a more balanced homeostasis, a, what we might consider that Goldilocks spot, where we're not too far to the right or to the left. We're not leaning too far forward or too far back. And for that matter, we're not rotated in one direction more than another, but we're trying to find that central place. And if we think about all the segments of our body and the weight or mass that they contain, it's amazing that this stack of segments does such an amazing job to fight gravity to the best of its ability. And that's really what all these postural distortions are are the body's best strategy. It's not a problem so much as it is a solution. So a lot of people will look at this posture in the illustration and see, oh, well, the knee is caving in on the left and that ankle is rolling in and that left hip is dropping. So the spine has to lean to the right and that gets that left shoulder up and then the head has to tilt to the left to try and balance out. Well, we could look at that as a problem, uh, but, how we look at it is actually an amazing solution that the brain and the body has had to figure out. And that is its best solution in the given moment. And it could be something that has been on this feedback loop for months, years, decades. An individual who may have sprained their ankle some years back, never fully rehabilitated, 
or maybe it just was unattended. Maybe it was kind of not neglected, but not considered. And they went about their regular day-to-day -day and the pain went away and maybe the swelling did too, but they developed a new way of moving such that that knee would buckle in. And then a few years down the road, that lower back starts to bother them or they start to have a little shoulder and neck issue or something else occurs. And it could very well date back to that initial insult of the ankle. And we all have this. It's all the story of our lives. So we're going to create kind of our own story and maybe rewrite a few things or offer a new chapter And in regards to movement. Can we remind certain areas how it was meant to move before something else happened? And in so doing, we get one joint to open when it was closed or another joint that's closed to feel what it's like to open back up again. And then the muscle tissue that surrounds it, well, what does that have to do? Well, certain tissues are gonna to have to lengthen that were once compressed and other muscles are gonna to have to shorten that are, have been really lengthened beyond a normal resting state. Again, trying to drive us into, or not drive so much, but encourage an experience where there is more efficiency, where it's easier. And once the brain understands that it's easier to do this than what it's been doing, it's more likely to start reinforcing these other patterns that we're going to go through. But we should know where our bodies are in space first and, and how these segments move perhaps so that we can maybe get a better understanding of what we might want to encourage in our bodies. So that's where we're going tonight. We're going to explore where our spot is. Where, do, where has our brain normalized our bodies? Where is normal for us? And then by understanding how the body moves, can we present a new normal, a more balanced place where maybe chronic pain doesn't have to live. Maybe there's freedom in joints that have been restricted. So to put it very basically, we are always trying to balance over our feet against gravity when we're standing. And the, the hips or the pelvis have options. They can tilt forward and they can teeter back. And they're constantly kind of doing that on a very small basis, trying to keep us in balance. But the pelvis can also glide sideways and keep us shifting from left to right foot in a very subtle way, and maybe sometimes not so subtle. We can also have that pelvis tilt sideways to the left or to the right, as well as it will rotate. So it's constantly maneuvering and meandering, trying to keep us balanced over our feet. Now, while that's happening, well, the, the rib cage is going to have to balance on top of what the pelvis is doing. And it's going to more or less try and balance out the mass by somewhat counteracting what the pelvis is going through. So if the pelvis is tilting forward, that will send our body weight forward we might find that the rib cage tilts back to accommodate that. Or if the pelvis tilts backwards, sending us back, we might find that the rib cage needs to tilt forward. And what will happen is this oppositional relationship between the pelvis and the rib cage through all three dimensions. 
three, all three planes of motion. And the muscles that connect between the rib cage and the pelvis, like our abdominals and our lower back, and oblique muscles on the side of our waist, are going to have to respond to these bony segments moving and balancing. Some areas will lengthen while others shorten. And when we move and when we walk, these movements actually should occur in our gait pattern. And the same thing can be said of the head. The head is constantly trying to stay balanced and locked on the horizon. So if the rib cage is tilting forward, the head must tilt back to accommodate that motion or position. And if the rib cage were to tilt backwards to, in order to keep the head level, the head would have to tilt forward to accommodate that movement too. So we're gonna go through some simple body shapes in these three planes of motion. And I'm going to encourage you all at this point to go ahead and remove your shoes so that those lovely nerve endings at the bottom of your feet can begin to experience what life is like contacting the planet that it lives on. And also, if at any point in time, a question might arise, you are more than welcome to type it into the chat. And at the end of this, I'll see if I can't field as many questions as possible. Okay. We're gonna get into one plane of motion. And it's the first one I spoke of. We call it the sagittal plane. I'm gonna tilt this slightly down and stand on back. And I think what I'll do right now though, is I'm gonna stop the share so that you can get a better understanding or viewpoint. There we are. Of a full screen approach. So we are going to just explore to start with pelvic action. And we're not looking to become scientists or anatomists. We're not looking to get specific terminology. In fact, I would prefer you to just break out your Roger's thesaurus and, and use synonyms or, or adjectives that come to your mind. So the waistband around your pants more or less is right around the girdle of your pelvis or what we would call the pelvic spine, the top of your pelvis. And the pelvis is similar to a bowl. So if we could consider our pelvis like a bowl of water, if we were to tilt the pelvis forward in the front, tilting it downward, the water might pour over the rim out of our belly button. And then if we were to go in the opposite direction, where the tailbone is now dropping and the back rim of the bowl is tipping to my heels, that water would now pour out maybe my tailbone or my lower back. So this is the motion that we're looking to explore and self-assess. And while we're doing this, can we do it in a way where the pelvis stays hovering right over the hip and the thigh bones? So what I mean is as you tilt the pelvis, we don't wanna see it going back or forward, but can you just experience what that movement is like? And as you do that, right away, do you notice that one direction is more natural than the other? Or do you struggle to achieve either direction? Do you feel that you have to pull yourself into one position versus the other? And you might wanna consider how is it that I achieve this motion? 
Is it just simply letting gravity take over and pulling me into that position? Or do I have to use my lower back in order to lift the backside up for the front side to drop? Do I use my abdominal wall to pull the front side up in order to get the tailbone to drop? Or do I feel the buttocks and hamstrings of the back of the thighs pulling downward, or maybe the front of the hips and thighs to pull the front side down? Just get a sense of that. Then we're gonna go up and we're gonna go to the rib cage. And with the rib cage, we're gonna do the same motion. The axis of rotation is right around the mid rib cage going out the other side. So what is it like to tilt the ribs forward and tilt the ribs back? Do you experience pain? Is there discomfort? If there is, that's just your body perhaps telling you that the way we're achieving this movement it's probably not the most ideal. And I wanna let you know that it doesn't feel good to me to do it the way you're doing it. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad, but I might say you may want to just not drive into the pain, but we might be able to figure out a way to move where that doesn't manifest. But can you take your sternum and draw it downward? And then what is it like to lift up? Can you do this without trying to use your shoulders in lieu of rib cage motion? And can you do it while keeping your head over your body? Just get a sense of what that is like. And then we're just gonna move up to the skull. And we're gonna check into skull motion where the middle of the ear is now your axis of rotation. What is it like to try and tilt the head backwards and tilt the head forward? And as you do this, can you keep the head directly above the shoulders and ribs? Or do you feel yourself tilting it back and forth or the head is, is kind of in a pigeon-like action going back and forth? These are just things to look at. All right. So now we're gonna combine these motions together because as we move through space, these kind of combinations should occur when we walk. For instance, when you tilt your pelvis forward, do you get a sense in order to keep yourself over your feet that the rib cage must tilt back and the spine begins extending? And as that occurs, keeping your head level, do you feel the chin getting closer to the sternum? And then if we were to go in the opposite direction, what is it like to tilt the pelvis backward, tailbone descending, sternum descending, and chin moving away from the sternum? Can you achieve these motions? And what does that feel like? Now, some of you may feel like, oh, my back is not liking this. And that's okay. We're not trying to irritate the body, we're just trying to explore and assess. We'll see if we can't clear that up in just a moment. But what we're looking to do is just get a sense of how do these segments work? Is there one direction that works better? So you can write a little note about that. Uh, my lower back is sticky or my neck, I feel it there or the groin is talking to me a little or I have no concept of how to achieve this motion whatsoever, which is really great insight if that's the case. 
because all of those segments should move fairly freely. If you are restricted in the pelvis, then that might tell you, I might wanna spend a little bit more time opening up maybe some of the muscles with some kind of flexibility work in this area. If I'm restricted in my rib cage, I might want to look at my spine and see how well it extends and flexes. And I might wanna do a little bit of maybe mobility or flexibility work around there. If I struggle with my head, well, I might wanna look at the neck and shoulders perhaps. Just a starting point. It could actually be the problem is located somewhere else, but at least it gives you a starting point. Let's move on because we've got three other assessments we're gonna try and achieve. Next, we're gonna work on sideways motion with your feet underneath you. All I want to do is see what it's like to glide the hips and pelvis to one side and then to the other. And what we're trying to do is just get a sense of how does it feel to travel toward the right versus the left? Is there a difference? Do I feel like I just fall into this side while having to really almost pull myself to the other side? Does it feel like I fall into a hole in one direction, but I hit kind of a cardboard wall on the other side? Because this can tell you a lot about the muscles that you're traveling toward. So when the hips travel to your left, the muscles on the outside of your left hip need to lengthen. And so if you struggle with the hips going left, you might struggle with those muscles lengthening and opening up. And the same would hold true if you're traveling to the right. The outer hip on the right might be a, a struggling point. Or the inside of the thighs. When I travel my hips off to the left, I'm, I need to lengthen the inside of my right thigh. So if I have restricted inner thighs, well then, therefore, I might struggle to go in that direction. So then let's see what the rib cage is like. How well do I glide? left to right. And can I do that and still keep my shoulders level? And then we can move up to the skull. And what is that like to glide to the left and to the right? Now, in terms of combining these movements together, if the pelvis drives off to the right, the rib cage needs to go left to keep the weight more or less over the feet. And with the head, it will travel in the same direction as the pelvis. So can I achieve that? And then when the pelvis travels to the left, the rib cage will need to travel right and the head follows the pelvis left. Can I achieve that? And now we're dealing with a lot of the tissue going down the sides of your body. And like I said earlier, the insides of your thighs and legs. So you're getting a sense of, okay, in this dimension, I'm restricted here. It might be my left hip, my right hip, it may be my waist, it could be my neck. So maybe I'll start to look at those areas when I'm thinking about opening up or moving my body. Now we can also move sideways in another way, and that is by tilting or leaning to the side. So we're gonna start with the pelvis and you're simply going to allow, let's go with the left knee first, where you're just going to bend into your left knee, but keep your right leg straight. Do you get a sense that that drops your hip and pelvis down on the left? And then go ahead and straighten that left leg out and then begin bending into the right knee. Do you get a sense that that drops the right hip down? 
while keeping your left leg straight. Now we're just looking for sideways motion. So can you avoid any type of rotation when you drop with the pelvis? But what is it like? Almost like you're dancing the merengue. Can you bend into one knee while keeping the other straight? And what is the quality of your, your ability of the pelvis to tilt in one direction or the other? Then let's go up to the rib cage. And the center of your chest, that sternum, is now your axis of rotation. If you were to tilt the ribs off to your right or off to your left, can you do so, but keep the rib cage over the hips so that you're not actually thrusting or leaning off to one side, but can you do this and keep this point at the sternum in one location? And then the tip of your nose, like Pinocchio, that's your axis of rotation for the head. What does it feel like to tilt the head to the left and to the right? Now that you have an understanding of where maybe there some restrictions are, where you're successful and not so successful, let's see if we can combine these movements together. So when you drop into your left knee, when you bend that left knee, that left hip drops down, the rib cage is going to tilt to the right. So I might just take my left arm and reach overhead to encourage that rib cage to go to the right. And the head is going to try and stay level by having to tilt to the left, the same as the pelvis. So what we're seeing, coming back up, now keeping the left knee straight, but bending into the right, getting that right hip to drop, taking the right arm up to encourage the rib cage to tilt to the left and keeping the head level by tilting it right, we see that there's these oppositions where the pelvis and the skull are gonna move in the same direction and the rib cage has to oppose. This is going to lengthen and shorten all the connective tissue between these bony segments. So I can start to move in and out of these positions as a reminder of what my body might be missing. Bending into the left knee and reaching up with the left arm, keeping the head level. Bending into the right knee while reaching up with the right arm and keeping the head level. And the remarkable thing about doing these assessments is it's also a, a nice reminder or re-educational approach to unlocking everything that you've been feeling. So the last one we're gonna do is the rotational aspect. We're going to be rotating through the pelvis, but I would like you to try and keep your upper body still, kind of like a duck on water, where your legs are gonna be moving, but from the waist up stays nice and still. So can you basically turn your belly button to the left while keeping your torso straight ahead? And then can you rotate it to the right? Now, for some of us, we may struggle with this because the ability to disassociate rotation between the pelvis and the rib cage may not be readily available. And you might struggle and have the whole body start rotating. That's revealing, isn't it? It just tells me, wow, I might want to work on this because when I walk, my right arm swings forward with my left leg. So the pelvis will rotate in one direction, but the swinging of the arms causes the rib cage to rotate in the opposite. So just this simple ability to rotate the hips left and right without the, pel without the rib cage moving might be a very valuable lesson that the brain and the body might need. So as you do that rotation with the pelvis, might wanna ask a question such as how are you achieving that? Is it by drawing the hip back 
to rotate in one direction? Or do you drive the other hip forward to create that rotation? And when you go in the opposite direction, say when you rotate the hips to the left, the pelvis to the left, are you driving the right hip forward? Are you drawing the left hip back? Some of you, when doing that pelvic rotation, you might find that you're only using one hip or one side that say the right side of the hip was drawing back to create rotation to the right, but it was also driving forward and extending that hip to encourage rotation to the opposite side. I mean, isn't that a wonderful present that you've just given your brain? What a great level of awareness that, wow, perhaps there's somebody else that is only creating rotation by pulling backwards on both sides. And I'm, there must be somebody that must be doing the opposite where the hip is driving forward to create rotation in the opposite direction. And the same thing, the other hip is driving forward to create rotation the other way. So this is just a wonderful way of exploring how the heck have I been using this body that for the most part I've had all my life? All right, there we have it. So there was that unavoidable station break. I apologize for technology, but we're gonna get back into assessing the rotation of these segments. So the pelvis we explored and found a way of rotating. And what was that like? Now let's go up to the rib cage. And this time we'll try and keep the hips still. And you're welcome to let the head rotate with the ribs because we're just going to explore what this is like first. What is it like to turn the rib cage to the right and to the left? And you can also kind of interview your body in this way that how do I create this rotation? Is it by drawing back one shoulder and one side of the rib cage? Or is it by driving one side forward? to create rotation to my right? Am I drawing the right back or driving the left forward? And when I rotate the ribs to the left, am I drawing the left side back or driving the right side forward? Now, if there's any restriction, do you feel like maybe you're rotating to a greater degree on one side versus the other? Well, that might be some valuable information also. If I'm finding that I have less restriction, uh, let's say to the left, well, I might just encourage that by taking perhaps my, my left leg forward. Because when I walk, when my rib cage rotates left, that's the moment that my left leg swings forward and rotates the pelvis right. So you might find if you are restricted to the left, you might find bringing your left leg forward may change that. And of course, the other side, if I struggle to rotate right, maybe bringing one leg forward, such as the right, might introduce a different mechanic. It might free things up for me. All right. So then you've gotten a feel for what that's like to rotate. Let's just check in with the head or the skull. How well do I rotate to the right? How well do I rotate left? Is there one side? there's more restriction. Now, here's an interesting thing. We have been exploring these movements and we found that in every plane of motion, every dimension of space thus far, that whatever the pelvis did, the skull did the exact same motion and the rib cage did the exact opposite motion. This is oppositional motion and that's how we move. That's how muscles lengthen and shorten. So, 
check it this. If we have a hard time rotating the head to the right, if I brought my left leg forward, that would encourage the pelvis to rotate right, which might encourage the skull to do the same. So with my left leg forward, I check my right rotation. Did that make it better? Now, if you struggle to rotate the head to the left, well, if I brought my right leg forward, that would encourage the pelvis to rotate to the left, which might give more movement to the skull to rotate left. Did that help? So in our facility, knowing how these joints are related to one another in movement, we can place people in different positions in the studio as well as online because we train people all over the world these days with Zoom. We can put people in positions to free up movement. And then once that movement is free, we can get the body to experience even more movement or maybe loading the body in those positions with maybe a dumbbell or some other form of resistance like bands or medicine balls. So we can start to explore what a person's exercise program should be just simply based on this subtle assessment of how we move through space. Let's try and connect these three segments together though, because we worked on rotation of the rib cage, the skull and the pelvis, but we haven't connected them together yet. So let's try and do that. So what we're gonna try and do is first, as simple as can be, we're gonna keep the head still and the hips still and just see what is it like to rotate the rib cage. Now, if we want to, we can bring the hand in and encourage the arm to help with this rotation. And I might just keep one arm sweeping back behind me and in front, but perhaps that doesn't feel good on the shoulder. Okay, you don't have to use that arm. Maybe we'll try the other arm. What is it like? for me to simply rotate my rib cage, but keep my hips still and my head still. Let's try the opposite. What is it like to keep the rib cage still, but move the pelvis, the hips and the head? Rotate the pelvis and head to the right. Rotate the pelvis and head to the left. Can I create this type of disassociation? Now, these movements we've been doing are very similar to cog wheels that you would find in a, a watch or in some kind of machinery where you have those wheels where one is going to go clockwise and the teeth that are connecting with each other in the grooves, the other one would have to go counterclockwise. Pelvis going one direction, rib cage going the other, head going opposite of the rib cage. And this kind of cog-like action are great types of movements that we can explore. So I'm going to share my screen once again and go back to this PowerPoint that I had here. These are the movements that we just explored. And you can find this type of assessment as well as movements or, or I would say movement practices I don't like using the word exercise because it's just got a dirty connotation. People don't really like to exercise, but you get a chance to move and it really feels good to move. So you can go to our YouTube channel and it's just my name, Rocky Snyder with my credentials, Certified Strength Conditioning Specialist or CSCS right afterwards. And click on the playlist on that channel. And there's two that you might like to explore. One are the previous meetups that we've had where we've done some of these concepts and different different kinds of approaches. 
But there's also this cog video playlist. And these cog-like actions are done lying down, kneeling, standing, freely or against a wall. There's a whole bunch of different cog-like movements to try and free up as well as to continually assess. Um, and I guess I should, from there, in just a moment, I'll, I'll field some questions or get some feedback. And I'm sure you've got maybe some, something that's going on with your body right now. Maybe we could troubleshoot it, who knows? But I wanna share that the meetups themselves I've been doing now for a few years and I had been doing them on a monthly basis until probably about six months ago. And then I, I started delving into some other creative processes. So my apologies for kind of being off the radar for the last six months, but um, I'm moving into a, a different direction. I just wanted to share that with everybody here. Uh, our, our website, which is rockysnyder.com is getting redeveloped and will be launching within the next couple of weeks. And I'm developing online courses and webinars. There'll be some content that is just um, free. And then there'll be other stuff that is more, um, that, that there'll be like a subscription to. And I'll try to add some fresh monthly content. I am doing live in-person workshops once again. And we'll be writing some ebook series that are coming out. But if you like podcasts, I've been doing two podcasts in the last couple of years. One is called the Rock Fit Files, which is primarily just health and fitness professionals coming on and we have conversations. And then the Zealous podcast is more about professional coaches, athletic trainers, strength coaches, and, and physical therapists uh, in the NFL, NHL, um, major league sports in the world. And uh, I get a whole bunch of colleagues of mine and uh, heroes and mentors to come on and we, we have great conversations. And and on our website, there's a place that you can sign up for a, a newsletter. We don't, we don't share anything other than every now and then I'll, I'll put something out and let you know what's coming up, such as some uh, live workshops that I mentioned. There's going to be a couple here in our studio. One is a support course for people that have gone through anatomy and motion, which is something that if you're a movement professional, I highly recommend. I've been with them for now eight years and I'm one of the educators now, as well as one of the mentors globally for people that have taken it around the world. And we'll be doing a support course for closed chain biomechanics, the lower limbs, getting a sense of what every joint in the body from the waist down has to do. And that'll be in June. And then if you just want to explore movement and get a sense of what anatomy and motion is like the very next day, well, that's, that's what's happening there. And you can just uh, go to the website for more information. And lastly, uh, during COVID, which was wonderful timing for any author's <laughs> release date, I came out with this book that's all about how do I exercise in, in a way, or in this case, strength training and conditioning that will help realign my body, uh, recover from pain and achieve a higher level of performance. And that's what this book's all about. I embedded a whole bunch of QR codes with, with about 100 to 150 videos that you can scan on your phone as you're reading through and a YouTube video pops up and gives you greater content and you can assess yourself in, in greater degrees of what we did tonight. Well, that concludes my little presentation on how we can assess movement in our own bodies, find out where we're restricted and give us a little bit of a map as to how to get those restrictions released, free up some movement, and enjoy life a little bit better. And if you want some guidance, of course, just go to our websites, contact us. We do online consultations. 
trainings and whatnot, as well as in person. So you don't have to be in the Santa Cruz area to benefit from this. Hope you enjoy the show. We'll see you next week with a guest. Or maybe I'll just ramble on again. Never know. <laughs>